On today's episode of Instant Relations, Rob and I discuss whether or not pocket listings are dead. Let's go. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to announce our inaugural sponsor of the Industry Relations podcast, Note Router. Um, Note Router was launched back in 2018 by Nick Goff. And they had the mission of reconnecting real estate. Um, Note Router is an all-in-one email and texting platform designed exclusively for real estate. Uh, Note Router syncs with your membership database to make communicating with your members easier and more effective. Believe me, your staff is going to love you for this. If you're an association or MLS and you want to do a better job with communicating with members, really look no further. Um, they've just launched a brand new website. It looks fantastic, by the way. I'll put the URL in the show notes. It's noterouter.com. Go there, take a look. You'll find everything you need. Once again, thank you, Nick. Thank you uh, to everybody at Note Router for sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast. Rob and I truly appreciate your, your support. Hello, everybody. Uh, the internet world. Uh, this is obviously your co-host, the notorious Rob Han. We are talking industry relations with my other co-host, the fabulous Greg Robertson, who is right there. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow I feel I have to do jazz hands with that, but it's not a good look. Well, it's a great look, man. Go for it. Like, you know. <laughs> Actually, let's let's uh, just ask our audience, like, what do you think about Greg's jazz hands? You know, Or who's got the better jazz hands? <laughs> How the hell are you, man? Good, man. I I, I noticed that we we did get get a lot of Twitter activity on the last uh, um yeah <laughs> our last podcast. I think what I put out there was is that you know the first half was was pretty good, and then yeah. um you threw up a chart which just I <laughs> yeah I totally misread or something it went off the it went off the rails, but I think uh, it was still good anyway. And then everybody was laughing at that with some screenshots. I know. So no, it was it was awesome. So yeah, and hopefully, I, I, hopefully we won't have any charts today to confuse anybody. <laughs> you want to talk about an important topic, a potentially important topic, or interesting, at least interesting to like nerds like us, I guess. Yeah, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, man. So let's just dive in because you know we could banter about all kinds of shit. But. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I've been a you know I think both of us in in our own ways a big big proponents of the, of the MLS. Yeah, I mean I started to kind of. Uh, um, a hashtag out on Twitter called put it on the MLS, which yeah, got adopted by NA by realtor magazine, had it on their front cover yeah. and Brian MLS had it. Um, also made yep. some t-shirts with it and stuff, which was kind of very flattering and things. And, you know, speaking of bright MLS, they've done, uh, they released their second study. We talked a little That's bit about right. this last, last time, but we didn't want to go into it because you hadn't read the full study yet. That's right. Uh, I have. And you know, you have, and, and, yep. and they're, you know, basically saying, I think what we, what I've always thought, um, but you had some issues with the way that the study was first done that, you know, when you put it on, when you put it on a listing on the MLS, it sells um, for more than, than right. keeping these kind of like pocket listings or exclusive listings and things. Um, this study, I don't, did, did, what was the date range this, this last study they did it for? So let's put it up on screen. We'll share with our viewers. All right. So this is the new study on off MLS study. Uh, you could Google it and, you know, read it yourself. The date range was uh, 2019, okay. 2020, 2021, and first quarter of 2022. Uh, so this is a lot of this is 
this yeah. is this is in the height of of basically you know the inventory shortage. Right? Correct. This Correct. is you know the, the, it, what people could argue would be the best time to use a pocket listing strategy, right? Because sure, know, yep, yep, you know, yep, sure. Because they want to keep it even more exclusive in a sense, right? Um, and and the study went on to say, and I think was it thirteen or sixteen? You know, the study showed that. It was 13%, I want to say. Let's see. 13%. Right. Yeah, so listings, um, uh, listing that were put on the MLS uh, sold for 13% more than, than off-market Correct. listings. Correct. Correct. Right. And, and so why don't you, that's, that's the thing, and I think absolutely that's, that, that's something that I would, prob, that I would think would, would happen. I think that the industry agreed would happen. When they did this first study, you had a couple problems with it. Maybe you can-, you can Yeah, so my- the what initial the new study is corrected or not corrected. Yeah, yeah. So the initial study, and I, I don't have that handy. Uh, I guess I could pull that up. What the initial study did was very similar. And what they just looked at was sort of on MLS versus off MLS, right? But what they didn't deal with in the first initial study were sort of like office exclusives, right? Which are still allowed under CCP, right? Under the uh, clear cooperation policy. Right, so the brokerage could keep all of the all of their own listings within the brokerage itself. So they didn't really address that on the one hand. And I thought in the first study, and this study also has a similar thing. If we're looking at kind of different impact of different types of marketing, right? Then we really, I think, what we needed to see was list versus sold. Because one of my thoughts was, look, I mean, if something is being sold off MLS, we're not entirely sure why. Like, is it an investor who's just dumping some, you know, piece of crap thing? Is it an arm's length? Like, just saying properties that sold off MLS were whatever, 14 or 18% lower than on MLS. That doesn't actually tell us enough. We're, we're doing a little bit of apples and oranges comparison. So those are my criticisms. And, you know, Bright, like, look, to their credit, it's not yeah. like they got pissed off and just said, you know, Rob's an asshole, right? They actually took it, you know, no, and we, then said, okay, let's... I did not say that, Robin. It was never What's public. That? It was never public. Okay, yeah. it, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's all right. I'm, I'm okay. I, I'm an asshole for truth and, you know, the American <laughs> way. I'm okay with that. But uh, no, they actually went back and redid it for this year, addressing some of those issues. I thought this study was like significantly better. Now, we still don't have sort of the list to sell. But, you know, I said that's a minor thing because how in the world are you supposed to get list price yeah, for like off market? Right. So I said, look, I'm, I'm comfortable, you know, with that. That's, that's okay. You almost have to go back to before clear cooperation policy and then go on like Zillow, for example, or PLS back in the day and see what they were listed for as a pocket listing or coming soon. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's too difficult. So I'm not going to really knock them for that. To me, that's more of an academic, you know, if we really wanted to know kind of shit, but how, how in the world are you supposed to find that out? Yeah. What they did do, though, was looked at office exclusive. So let's scroll down to that. Um, and I thought this was really just great info. So this, this paragraph right here, right, I think is the key. Um, what it says is, and for people who are not watching this on YouTube, you should probably come and check us out on YouTube. But what it says is ultimately most homes that begin as office exclusives are not successfully sold that way, <laughs> which I thought was great. Uh, which extends I mean, the time period. Let's just, let's, just, let's just stop right there real quick because yep. the consternation, the fucking NAR meetings and policies and changes the MLS and rules and everything else to kind of make this shit happen, mm -hmm. right? 
is, is <laughs> I think about all the work. And then at the end of the day, the impact, it's just, it's, it, it, it's just, it doesn't live up it's, to the It's hype. minimal, right? Yeah. So let's, let's just read the rest of the paragraph, right? Only 12.6% of properties that were initially marketed have, as office exclusives were successfully sold as office exclusive, right? Nearly two thirds of office exclusives were eventually promoted and sold on Bright MLS. The remaining 24.4% of properties marketed as office exclusives between April 2021 and December 21 had still not sold or may have been removed from the market Jesus. as of the end of first quarter 2022. I think that's really compelling evidence. Yeah. Right. And like I said, you know, my whole thing is I have strong opinions, very weakly held. You give me new evidence, you give me new data, I'm, I will change my mind. I think this is pretty compelling evidence, right? That, you know, look, you can do office exclusives. And I think, as we'll probably get into, there are some strategic reasons why you might want to do that. But to think that you're going to sell most of those, even as you point out, in 2020, 2021, like the best markets for doing a pocket listing, you know, it's it's just not, the, the, yeah. the numbers do not bear that out, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. we've had, I mean, it's got to be in, you know, dozens of podcasts talking about clear cooperation policy and, and then even going back into the, you know, into 2020 with, you know, and I've always just, I just always thought that the word like, exclusive and mm-hmm. we'll find you the right buyer mm-hmm. right i mean what is the right buyer same color as me that, same you know, whatever right. i mean who knows i mean you right. start putting those things if you part put, putting more barriers up i mean and we're showing that it's just it's a ridiculous notion you know that you're going to find the right buyer the right buyer, if you want to find the right buyer open it up to as many people as possible and this study has proven that and and you know the other stuff just seems kind of icky. The other thing we talk about is, I, I never really, and I've said this before in the podcast. I've never, you know, when 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 all the stuff about pocket listings and office exclusive came up, but I was just bored because I've been in the business a while where I've seen this cyc- cyclical thing happen. Oh, pocket listing become a thing, market corrects, and they don't begin. It be, begins not. It goes back to like, oh, that's insane to hold it off mm-hmm. the MLS, right? And the problem was is that we had such a a rise you know, it's for such a long time that, you know, the, the market never really corrected there. Now with, I think, a, a coming market correction, still in, still a lower inventory, I think this is another kind of, I don't know if this is the death nail of, uh, of pocket listings, but, uh, you know, I still think there's some brokerages and agents out there that, that I don't know, want to be hoity-toity about it. I mean, I guess in cases of celebrities or something else, but I mean, I don't, I mean, come on, man. So- Come on. Okay. So let, let's let's break this down. And this is, I think, the the real gravamen, the real substance of what we want to debate. Right. And let's make a debate. I mean, you might as well take the position that pocket listings are dead, right? That this study is the nail in the coffin for pocket listings. If you want to do a pocket listings, office exclusive, whatever you want, this should sort of say that that's a dumb idea. If you show this right? evidence to a seller. Right. Listen, I can do an office exclusive, but it's gonna it's gonna basically at the very worst, it's gonna take a long a longer time. It's gonna add time. Mm-hmm. Or the best. It's gonna so you know, the worst yeah, is gonna no, look. Absolutely. It's now here's the thing. Let's see. Clear cooperation policy. Uh MLS clear cooperation policy. Do you remember when that was passed? I want to say it was twenty eighteen. No. Or twenty nineteen. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was 
Yeah, it was 2019, and it was adopted November of 19, and it will be updated. I it was pushed. 2020. Yeah, whatever. Okay. I think. I mean, that seems about right. Clear cooperation policy went into effect 2019. Pre-pandemic. I just、yeah. think this is a pandemic issue, but maybe not. But go ahead. All right. So the reason why I mention that is because. There's only a little bit. So most of twenty, most of the data in the study is twenty twenty, twenty twenty one, right? Two years after,、yeah. after clear cooperation policy was put into effect. Let's let's look at the、uh, the dates once again.、Uh, the date range to you, as you said, was.、Yeah. So they do have. It sounds like one full year in twenty nineteen, which presumably was pre,、uh, clear cooperation policy, right? Uh, now I don't remember whether Bright MLS had local policies in place or not. No, I, I think they had some of the strictest. Like if you didn't do it, you were going to get fined very heavily.、Yeah. They really、yeah. got the hammer, right? Yeah. So the reason why I mentioned that is because you're out. You know, because what I'm wondering about is this, right? Can we attribute the increase in price, right, simply to the fact that it was on the MLS? Or can we attribute it to the fact that it was on Zillow? Well, they were on Zillow before. No, so that's what I'm saying. Clear cooperation policy, or whatever the anti-off-market policies that were put into place, what it did was you could not display it on Zillow. Right. Well, and, but they're、right. not just Zillow, but any public marketing. Any, right. Any public marketing. But yeah, what I'm getting at Zillow what, existed before this, right? Right. right. So, so right. And what I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is what the next study then, right? So hey, hey, bright. Since you're in the study business, hey, here's the next study. Back in the heyday of all these off-market pocket listing stuff, right? So let's say 2017, 2018, right? When companies were literally like launching strategies based upon exclusive inventory, pocket, you know, all of this stuff, and PLS was a thing, and all of that. At that time, these coming soon's and pocket listings were being able to put on the internet, specifically on Zillow. You couldn't do it through IDX, obviously, because the listings weren't in the MLS. But these agents were able to put it on Zillow, right? I would be interested to know if there's a variation there. In other words, is the decline in sort of office exclusive effectiveness as a result of it being not in the MLS or that it's not being displayed on the internet? Right, but I mean, to me, yeah, those things are a little bit mutually exclusive, right? I mean, if you're on the MLS, you have the rights to public this to publish this data and and publicly market it. Zillow being one of the things. I mean, that's another thing again that I would say that's kind of insane about this, where The sellers and they're telling the sellers, "Listen, I'm gonna. I don't want to put it on the MLS yet because、mm-hmm. if I put it on the MLS, it's gonna go on Zillow. Oh,、mm-hmm. horrible!、I'm、saying that. Well, I mean, that's that's a that's a direct that's a that's a direct action if they don't put it on the MLS. I'm just saying it's like if I'm the seller,、right. and I really think through what this agent is telling me by not putting it on the MLS. What's but, going hold on. on? So well, no, hold on. First of all, I don't think there's a seller alive who's ever said, 'Don't put it in the MLS because I don't want it on Zillow.'" Well, no, but but they're effectively、right. saying that by by agreeing to some sort of exclusive listing to start today. Off right, right. So all I'm saying is let's just compare two points in time. One point in time in the past, when the listing agents going and saying to the seller, "Hey, listen, we're not going to print the MLS, but I'm going to put it on Zillow. I'm going to put it on Facebook, right? 
because that's what these guys were doing. You know, in the whatever 30 day coming soon period, right. we're still going to market it on Zillow. We're still going to put it on Facebook. We're going to do all this public marketing, but it's not going to be the MLS, right? Et cetera. Right. If they were getting par price, if they were getting same type of uh, ultimate sale price, now who the hell? I mean, it's hard yeah. to know. Yeah. I mean, right. Versus after clear cooperation policy, you cannot display it on Zillow. You cannot market this without it being in the MLS first. I guess, okay, so right. then I would look so that, back. That's, right, but let's look at it this way. You have we just don't, So here's, the, we just don't have the data for this. All right, okay. but hold on, hold on. Maybe we do, maybe we do. So All right, maybe, all right. Maybe I'm flawed here, but think about think about this. So there was, a, they put out a, the first study, right, which was, you know, a year before, right? Yeah. Two years before. And, you know, you had some issues with that, but it seems like the next study, you know, came up with similar results, but they tightened up as far as, and, and you're kind of okay with that. Now, would the data in the first study confirm when they were doing all that stuff with Zillow, when they could actually go onto Zillow, um, can you look at that data and say, is that going to yield you any answers to what you're talking about? No, no, because the first study didn't really get into that either, right? Well, and one but, of the things I remember saying about the first study was, if you want to do this, you go to Zillow before clear cooperation policy came into But place. wasn't the, that first study before? Clear, that's what I'm saying. No, before no, that was last year. It was but just last I remember year. So it, was, it was released last year, but the data had to have gone back before. I don't, I don't recall. I mean, again, I have to go find the first study, which we could. So okay, but I don't think. Hold so on. Here's the thing. If we're gonna, if we're gonna like, if we're gonna like say, well, let's just say this. Let me. Then it makes let's do the opposite. Let's say that that first study, right, was during the time before clear cooperation when brokers could do that, right? Now I know you had some problems right, with the right. way they did it, but it seems like it's actually even that when they tighten up, it kind of it, it did kind of bolster what they were saying before, right? So mm -hmm. would, would in that case would you say okay maybe we do have that data, right? All right, you know what? You, you've you've done it. I'm now going to find the original study. <laughs> uh, While you're looking at that, I mean, I I, I get that. Um, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I I'm I'm more really I'm now I'm hoping they do a third study, right? As as the market shifts and and to see. No, what so okay, so here's what I have. I I don't. What the uh, press release talks about is study of 442,000 homes in the bright region over two years. And this was released last year. I'm thinking it's the same, same well, set. No. So 2019, 2020. Well, over two years, that would be 2018. Yeah. No, because they published in 2021. Be All right, you know what? Let's download the study, baby. No, sorry. I All mean, right. I, I, I'm the first to admit, like, yeah. as far as like time frames, like this, the last three years have been just yeah. one blob, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Da, da, da. Two-year study, uh, two-year study, 137,000, methodology. Doesn't say which two years, though. I don't think. All right, whatever. Last two years? We're, we're, getting, we're, we're, we're creating some really awfully bad content right now, so let's <laughs> move on. So the point, I think, is neither of us know. Right. right. But we can speculate that clearly wider exposure is going to get the better pricing. I don't think. Yeah, I mean that's that's that. to me the thing that the craziness of all right. of this, right? I all mean, I'm asking you're is, is the wider. These, no, these no, 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 no. All I'm arguing is is the wider exposure the MLS or Zillow. 
That's that's the question. Right. But so I mean, imagine a scenario. So let, let's imagine this scenario, because I think this is the future. They're, they're both mutually exclusive, right? I mean, it's just if if, if no. So I'll give you the scenario because this is the next step that people have to think about PLS versus NAR. Right. And we've t- kind of talked about it and I've been talking about it more like I've been on the road speaking a bunch and I've been pointing out that everyone's talking about Sitzer and Merle and the commission lawsuits and simply not enough people are talking about PLS v. NAR. PLS versus NAR is pocket listing service against NAR. They sued NAR because NAR passed clear cooperation policy and put pocket listing service out of business. <laughs> Obviously, if you're no longer allowed to do it, what's the point? Yeah. So they sued, you know, claiming antitrust, blah, blah, blah. Cut utterly crushed at trial, right? Like the district court dismissed it with prejudice. Like you got nothing. You got nothing. And I was like, all right, cool. Like total victory for, for NAR and for CRMLS and a bunch of what others. What happened though is that the Ninth Circuit came back, reversed and remanded for a new trial. And in that reversal, the Ninth Circuit essentially laid out a beautiful roadmap for the plaintiff's lawyers, like just argue this, right? And then you're going to win. So my expectations are going to win. Don't know if that's trial's been scheduled. I don't know if they settle. I don't know what's going on. I have to sort of look that up. But if they win, then we're talking about clear cooperation policy being declared as anti-competitive, right? And of course, NAR will appeal. But they're going to appeal it right to the guys, the Ninth Circuit, that struck it, that reversed them in the first place, right? So we could very well have a scenario where you are, as the MLS and NAR are no longer allowed to require that agents put in listings into the MLS. You're simply not allowed to do it. This is anti-competitive. Now we're going to have a scenario where an agent, broker, you don't have to even deal with office exclusive. You could just go, we're going to pocket listing this. And it will be on Zillow, it will be on Red, it will be on websites, so it could be publicly marketed, but not in, be in the MLS, right? That scenario is probably a year or two in the future. So we actually can look at, at some point, like, okay, is it the MLS or is it the internet, right? That's the really important part for driving the sort of improvement in, you know, sort of uh, price of the home, lower time to market, et cetera. There's a part of me, I don't want to see that happen because obviously it's really chaotic and I think it results in some really negative impact on the industry. At the same time, it's uh, it would be interesting to see, right? Yeah, but I mean, and this this is ties into something you bring, I mean, this is interesting to think about, but let's talk about Zillow is not who they were before. They are a broker now. So you're saying that Zillow is going to consciously put other brokerages listings on their site <clears throat> mixed in with their, I mean, that's a commingling. And I know there's some, you know, maybe, you know, that opens up a whole other can of worms as far as the commingling mm-hmm. argument, right? Because yeah. I think the way that it's structured now is as Zillow being a broker and they're showing an IDX feed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, are you, you're, you're saying that brokers can put something in the MLS then it, but well, they, they can't be part of the MLS, the IDX feed if they're not on the MLS. So that's right. So does a brokerage have to accommodate other brokerages putting listings on their site 
um, that are not IDX? Like, I, I think you're overthinking this, man. Number one, Zillow is not a brokerage in the way we talk about brokerage. Well, they, they are in, the, in, in regards to how they display data. They're, it's all. They, I know. I know. What I'm saying is they're not a brokerage. Like they have a whole bunch of agents and they're not competing for listings. They're, they're not doing that, right? Let's just, they're a brokerage technically so that they can they're, get the IDX. So they can get the IDX feed. Is yeah, I yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So let's just be clear. With they're not a brokerage like other brokers. So this isn't going to impact anybody else. So that's number one. Number two, all that has to happen is the two-tab approach is what Zillow is doing right now, right? So if you, in this future, so we have PLS, VNAR, so clear competition goes away. Agents can do coming soon. They can do pocket listings. They can do all that. It'll just go on the second tab. Yeah, which right? is what, but but the problem is, is people like Rex and really yeah. Zillow themselves, I guess, yeah. maybe I'm talking about it both sides of my mouth because I just remember reading something about how Zillow yeah. and Rex maybe come together and like- correct. And, right. and shoot for commingling. Yeah, yeah. And they, nobody but, likes commingling, right? Right. So, so, so that was the third point. The third point is that commingling rule is likely going away. Right. Okay. So the, the commingling rule would have to go away for your scenario, I think, to work. Because I don't think on a separate tab, Rex was saying that was not. Yeah, once once they went to a separate tab, it was fucking. Was, That's yeah. right. Disaster for them. Yeah. That's right. On the other hand, part of it could be because. Or Zillow goes separate, back to becoming a syndicator. No, no, no. I think it's even simpler than that. Part of it is because the other listings tab was so much fewer in number than the agent listings tab, right? At the height of this being a real problem in places like um, MLS listings in Silicon Valley, I think uh, they were talking about like 30 or 40% of all their listings were done pocket, were done off market. That's a different deal, man. If 30 or 40% of listings show up on the other tab, it's going to get more traffic. In other words, if you go on Zillow right now, you see the two tabs, it'll say like 2,341 and then seven, right? Yeah. I mean, it goes it back to more conversations about open door exclusives, right? Would they right. put those on that tab? For right, instance? right. Yeah. And of course they would, right? And again, the tab thing is just a short-term thing because I'm pretty sure the commingling is going to go away. Yeah, I mean, right. to me, I, I mean, there's a lot here, right? You know, right. they have to so, win. It doesn't have to get, sure. you know, not get, a, it doesn't get appealed. You know, the tab, the commingling set. I mean, there's these are these are dominoes or dots set sure. or strings of, of red yarn. Sure, you're connecting that. Um, you know, <laughs> we're we're completely speculating. <clears throat> All we have here's what we have agreed on. We've agreed on wider exposure is better for the seller than smaller exposure. I don't think that could be argued. Right, like it's if you want to have a market, it should be open, transparent. Everyone in the world should see it. Right, like that's just clear. Okay. The next question that we've just spent the last half hour on <clears throat> is, is wider exposure the MLS or the internet? That's a separate and different question. Like we can agree that wide exposure is going to get you the best price and get you the fastest sale, right? What is un not answered about that <clears throat> and the piece with the bright MLS study that I get why they're drawing the conclusion. It's a, it's a fair conclusion to draw, right? Because they looked at on MLS versus off MLS, they looked at office exclusives and then, you know, like that data is the data and it is what it is. All I'm asked, all I'm questioning though, is we do not know yet. So I'm not even concluding this. I'm simply saying we don't know if it's on MLS or on internet. That's the important thing. Yeah. Okay. What so we're going to find out, hold on. What we're going to find out if PLS VNAR, you know, goes the way I expect it to happen. If the commingling rule goes the way I expect it to happen, we're about to find out what happens when brokers and agents put listings on the internet whether that's Zillow, whether that's Facebook, whether that's whatever, right? 
co-star, you know, whatever it is, they put it on the internet so the consumers can absolutely see it, but it's not on the MLS. If in that scenario, we see that on MLS properties do 12, 13% better, then to me at that point is conclusive. It's not the internet, it's the MLS that delivers a 13%. Okay. On the other hand, we see that it's the same, then it's not the MLS, it's the internet. Yeah. Hey everybody, I'm so happy to announce that we have a new sponsor for industry relations, and that's Earnest. Earnest is a secure, convenient digital payment system that allows for a fully digital transfer of funds in real estate transactions. So thank you, Russ, and please visit earnest.com. That's E-A-R-N-N-E-S-T.com. Thanks again. Okay. So okay. a couple of things here I got wrote down. So when we talk about exposure, and I think there's, I mean, I can already hear your fucking argument on this, but you know, when you're talking about the internet exposes those listening to everything out, to all the people out there, right? Right. There's two types of exposure, right? There's, there's exposure to consumers, buyers who are looking to buy, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also exposure to agents who have buyers. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, that have uh, vetted these buyers and they're, you know, hopefully have been pre- pre-qualified and everything else. And those agents rely on the MLS to look for those listings, right? So if if a brokerage, I think, circumvents because the rules allow them to do to just let them to go to Zillow or some other portal in the future, um, they may be getting exposure to consumers. And a lot of those are just surfers, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not really in the ideal place to get exposure to agents with vetted buyers. Mm-hmm. True, not true. I mean, Which- I I think this is again a, like a factual question, right? This would be something I would love to hear from our listeners who are working agents. What I've been hearing for the last two to three years, maybe longer, maybe like four years, is that this idea that the agent finding a home for the buyer is like 1970s. That today, what what the agents have told me, right, is it's not that anymore. It's the consumer goes to Zillow, goes to Redfin, finds the property, sends it to me, says, I want to see this house. So it, to me, it's a bit it's of a much further down the funnel. So this should yeah. be. So in that case, it really shouldn't be a, a concern because they're still going go to they're still going to go to an agent or right, right, or or in this case, I mean, it might it might might increase the chance for a double end for the brokerage who has it on or. Right. Or really the, what I've been hearing. So again, this is a factual question. What I've been hearing is that, that agent with the vetted buyer, right? The vetted buyer is spending like four hours a night sitting on the couch, scrolling through Zillow and the finding a property and sending it to his agent saying, I want to see this house. Right. Right. That we no longer really have a scenario where the agents are sitting there on the MLS looking for properties. And then, oh, this one could work for my buyer and saying to the buyer that that's what Dave told me. I don't know. Right. right. So that's a factual question. They might, the agent if, might be, have a little bit more of a, they might be more of the first to know before it gets syndicated and sent out. It'll come on the MLS. They get an alert or something. The hot sheet or something like yeah. that. But again, with IDX, with the technology as we have it, like Redfin, Zillow, all these guys send out alerts like, you know, within what, five minutes, 10 minutes. Right. Right. So I don't, okay. So this is a factual question. If it turns out that buyer agents are still spending an enormous amount of time and delivering huge amounts of value to the buyers by saying, here's a property on the MLS, 
Let me send it to you. I think this would work for you. What I've heard, that's, that's all it is. What I've heard the last few years that that is no longer a thing. Right. Right. And here's where that comes up, man. Where I've heard that the most is when we're talking about the sits or moral anti-competition, the uh, co- commission stuff. Yeah. Every agent I've talked to said, you know, maybe that was true in the 70s. Today, there's no such thing as buyer steering anymore because the buyers are the ones who find the property and tell me that I want to go see it. So it's not like I can steer them away, right? So, okay, well, if we've had this argument before on here, I've told you, right? right. right. how can you do this, you know, steer something away when 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 it's actually up on there, right? They can't hide that. Right. So if that's the case, then obviously it's going to work the other way in in this context, right? The buyer's going to see the thing, which means the listings that are getting the type of exposure. It's because the internet, not not because the MLS. I get your argument, man. It makes a lot of sense, right? It's something that we in the industry have sort of talked about and thought about for a lot of time. But there's a part of me that feels like that's that's sort of like this boomer thing. You know? <laughs> it's no longer valid. Hey, boomer, find me the house on the MLS. Exactly, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, having said that, look, maybe if your buyer is a boomer, you know, they don't want to look on the internet. So maybe there's a lot of value to that. Who knows? I, I, you know, that that's a separate thing. Um, but that's hilarious. So that's we're about to find out, I guess. Well, okay, but you know, let's 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 pull the thread a little bit more. So sure. One of the things I'm waiting for, and I know you were waiting for, is what the fuck is homes.com going to do? Right. Mm, mm. Um, there's we've heard nothing about, you know, the BPP in that relationship. Mm-hmm. I've heard rumors, yeah. but nothing official. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got all these agreements via homes.com, but now they're part of HomeSnap and Yep. And I'm, I'm certain that they're going to want to do things with the data that maybe before they didn't. I mean, I don't know, but they were they were under this BPP thing, so there was a different relationship. If that goes away, um, they're going to have to get new agreements. If it doesn't go away, then I think they're okay. But what if you know if if things are status quo for the next couple of years, where Zillow has to have two tabs because mm-hmm. they are in fact became a broker to get IDX the IDX feed, and that IDX feed has rules on it. Homes.com could take the thing of still becoming just keeping as a syndicator. In that case, they could blend that feed, mm-hmm. right? So it's a better user experience without having to go clicking back two tabs. And right. that becomes a differentiation between, because they need a differentiation. I mean, I've, right. I've looked at like their city snap thing and, uh, you know, yeah, I still prefer, I, you know, Street Easy, I think, is a phenomenal experience. I think Zillow is sure. a phenomenal experience. Redfin, sure. I think, is probably the better of them all, but they're not yeah. in all cities. But, um, you know, to win on the UI, UX, and I think Andy Florence has said this, it's it's a dead zone. I mean, you're not going to win there. It's some sort of business model thing where it's your yeah. listing, your lead, right? And we could yeah. go on to be what the issues with that are. But yeah. uh, this seems to be more on this kind of like, as we talked about before, inventory dis- differentiation. Every brokerage is trying to do this. That's how all this clear cooperation came up and that got scuttled out, scuttled. But this is a clear kind of in- inventory differentiation play that, that maybe CoStar with homes.com could be playing. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't actually thought about the homes.com angle to this, right? And we've talked about CoStar in the past. I think my theory around CoStar and homes from the very beginning has been that they are going to do nothing to piss off MLSs or the industry. They're just waiting for the federal government to come in and destroy well, them. They, for them. We, 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 they're waiting for, they're, to me, 
we talked about when the asteroid hits, I think was the, yeah. the podcast. And yeah, and I, I, yeah, I think a more apt conversation with these guys is like, you know, being when I was in Vegas, um, when you play craps, you can bet, you know, pass line or the don't pass. Yeah. Pass line better means you're betting with the shooter. Everybody on the table is all, let's go roll that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 11, yeah. 11, 11, 11. And then you have this, this other guy that comes up and put it on the don't pass. Yeah. And he's hoping everybody loses. And that's yeah. goes to They come to this industry party and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going, don't pass. <laughs> Just waiting for everything to explode. And then win. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I guess that's one way to look at it. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it from a crap standpoint. Like I said, to me, they wanted to be, they wanted to be the white knight, right? Yeah. Waiting in the wings for when the hordes, you know, the federal hordes descend, right? And then crush everybody and they weren't going to step in and, and sort of save them, right? Yeah. Because Zillow is not that company. Zillow, Zillow, let's put it differently. Zillow would love to be the white knight, right? Because I think Zillow also would be like, look, if these things happen and the government comes in and just crushes the MLS, we're here, we can help you res help rescue, blah, blah, blah. The problem is the industry spent like the last 10 years hating on Zillow so much they will never accept help from Zillow, right? They might accept help from Costa. I thought that was always their strategy. Having said that, I've heard the same rumors you have, which we can't actually discuss because it's not public. But if that changes, then we're in a different environment, right? Because Andy Florence is not Rich Barton. Right. Andy Florence is not Spencer Raskoff. Like Andy Florence, I think I once likened him to like Genghis Khan. <laughs> like he's brilliant. <laughs> he's so smart. He's an amazing, wonderful businessman. But he's also kind of known for his sort of like ruthless streak, right? Yeah. Uh, sort of a take no prisoners type attitude. Who knows what happens then, right? Who knows what happens then? So I think it's a little bit too speculative. One of the things though that, that you raised that is kind of interesting is, all right, let's just suppose that clear cooperation policy goes away because it's held to be anti-competitive. Let's also then say commingling gets struck down. Don't know commingling gets struck down, right? Because Rex Vinar and, and all that. In that environment, what happens? Do the brokers and agents have some sort of incentive to put it onto, say, CoStar as a syndicator site that's not held to this IDX thing versus Zillow, which is? I think so. So this goes back to kind of how we began this. I don't think pocket listings are dead because there, there are some other reasons for why brokers and agents want to do pocket listings that have nothing to do with the home price. It's just, I mean, the, those reasons would be very, uh, you know, the, the mark, the, the reasons for doing those legitimately because it's mm -hmm. not because they're going to get more money are very, very small. I don't know if that's true, man. Like, so let's go back to, I wrote a huge post way back in the day talking about uh, Real Scout when they did the biograph, right? Right. And Andrew Flackner wrote that very long, very smart, you know, article. I think it was on LinkedIn talking about like the the superpower, right? Exclusive inventory superpower and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's entirely true. And I remember at the time thinking like you're like declaring war on the MLS and you know all that. And if, you know, if it was win, then it's yeah. true. Yeah. It was a bit of a kerfuffle. However, we can't deny. Well, here's the thing: we can't deny that clear cooperation policy, to some extent, was largely driven because by Compass. Yeah, right. When Compass had a a company wide policy, they wanted to do inventory differentiation on their that's site. Right, yeah. right. 
exclusive inventory. Open Door exclusives come out and said very similar things. We have exclusive inventory, right? And I think what that ends up happening, it's not about the exclusive inventory is going to be sold for more. I mean, that's not the case. The case is the exclusive inventory drives exclusive buyers, which then drives exclusive agents. It helps you recruit agents, which then helps you recruit listings, right? Right. You go out to a seller and be like, listen, let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens, you know, exclusive for 14 days. If it doesn't work, we could always put on the MLS at that point. Yeah, I would just like to see somebody do the study of whether that's that strategy of having exclusive listings works. <laughs> I mean, that's of course it works. Well, I don't, I don't think we need to study compass. Works. I mean, compass I is number one. Compass right. is the number one brokerage, right? right. Despite I mean, all their financial problems, despite all of their Wall Street hassles, they're still the number one brokerage by volume in the country. In like what five years? Listen, you can you can be the number one of anything if you're selling dollars for fifty cents. Okay, so. Whatever. No, agreed. But what, I, what I'm saying is, on top of that, they also had this exclusive inventory thing, right? Right. I, yeah. There's no doubt that it helped them recruit. There, there's just no doubt about it. Why do I say that? Because Compass not the only one doing this. Well, I mean, again, not to go down a rabbit hole, but I mean, they're offering stock. They're paying big checks. You know, I, sure. I think the fact that it was exclusive listings was maybe a bullet point on that list, but not the biggest differentiator to make those agents move. Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, what we know is that large teams and large brokers throughout, you know, like especially the uh, Pacific, um, like San Francisco area, like this the oh. hotbed, they do it, right? They've been doing it for years. And, and, you know, they're having no trouble recruiting agents to their teams. They're having no trouble recruiting agents to their brokerages. So there's some strategic reasons why a brokerage might want to do some sort of pocket listing strategy, right? Now, again, I'm agreeing with you. That pocket listing strategy does not mean you're going to sell those homes for the same price as if it were on MLS. Right? That's not the argument. Right. Nor are we saying it's going to take shorter amount of time. Again, that's not the argument. Nor am I saying that those brokers are doing what's best for the seller. No, that's I mean, not the argument. just talk about fiduciary responsibility, but sure. I guess we're not talking about that, but okay. Well, so, but here's the thing about the fiduciary responsibility. To me, it's all connected to informed consent. If the seller says, you know what, I'm com I'm comfortable with that, then what's the problem? I'm comfortable with making your brokerage better at my expense. Go ahead. Where do I sign? Well, here's the thing, man. Like, like we've talked about so long when we, we've been talking about iBuyer. Like, the real estate agent brokers are so obsessed with price, 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 price. It's like, in some cases, price is not the only issue. In a lot of cases. So in this case, it's not that it's a convenience or a service. They just want to feel special. I want to feel or, I or, special. Or, dude, I mean, you know, it's, it's a legitimate thing for the seller to be like, you know what, I really don't want like 500 people tramping through my house. And I told you this story yeah, like yeah. a mean, billion that's, times. And, so I'll repeat that, the story. No, no, I, you're right. You're right. I mean, there's, there, that is a component as well. Sure. Yeah. And again, I'll repeat the story. Back when I, in 2011, this was, 2012. So long before any of this was a big thing. I was selling my house in Texas. And I went to my agent and I said, if you have a connection, if you have a private network, go to your buddies. If we're within 10% of the list price, I will just, let's just do it. Because I didn't want to have to go through the hassle yeah. of like yeah. putting my kids into the car that's, and driving. An buyer, that's a, a very iBuyer kind of thing. Correct. So when iBuyer first happened, I remember saying, this is absolutely a value because there are people like me. Yeah, I know I could make more money by having an open whatever. Time is but money too. Time is money. And do like I said, you have little kids, you have pets. Like it's a, 
it's a hassle. Yeah. And I think we're ignoring that piece. So I think there's some legitimate reasons why you could talk to your seller to sell. like, hey, listen, if I get within 10%, I'm fine, right? If I'm leaving money on the table, that's fine. Just, yeah, try and do this pocket just so we don't have to deal with all this nonsense. I could actually see that being something that the seller is okay with. And it's not simply, to your point, just make more money at my expense, right? So we'll see what happens. I think there's some legitimate reasons. For the brokerage, it's not about making more money, right? It's about, you know, sort of the strategic advantage of having exclusive inventory. I don't think that goes away. Yeah. Right? So I don't know where this lands. Like at, at the end of the day, I think we're both agreeing way more than, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, we could, we could parse out, you know, how that, yeah. what is the worth of that strategy, but, you know, some people are going to take it, Correct. how big of the market that is, is it, you know, Correct. Um, but, you know, it, it, is this, you know, I think, you know, one thing is, is that is, I mean, the title here is, I think, is this the death of pocket listings, right? And right. I think the bright study um, is showing something here, is giving us a peek, but but I, what I love that what, what we did here today was we started to connect the dots between, as you say, is it the internet? Well, then that brings up commingling and that brings up yep. co-star. I mean, there's, you know, I think yep. there's a lot of things here for people to chew on that, yep. um, that um, before. And, you know, in a sense, I think, you know, to go back to our, our conversation <laughs> at the beginning of this, before we got on was, uh, did, did, Bright, did Bright just serve uh, the brokerage industry a, a red pill? Right. <laughs> I think there are a lot of folks who would argue Bright is uh, serving up the blue pill, you know? yeah. <laughs> like maintain the status quo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> on what side you're looking at, right? For sure. So look, so let's try and wrap up. I mean, I think this study is a significant improvement over the last study. Right? Kudos to the Bright team. I think they did a really, really great job. Right. I think that their conclusion that properties that are on MLS sell for more and sell faster than properties that are off MLS. I think the data really does support that conclusion, right? What we've been discussing are stuff that Bright did not try to answer. Yeah. So it's, you know what right. I mean? Like they didn't yeah. actually try to answer that's that what, question. That's, but that's what we do here, yeah. Right, what we do is we speculate. Is it, and this is a larger question, to be honest, right? It's a bigger picture question. Is it the MLS or is it the internet? Right? Right. And we don't actually know the answer to that. Yeah. And we won't know until a bunch of things change. The issue is those bunch of things are changing, so we may find out. And the MLSs might not like the answer. And that's a whole separate conversation around that, right? And I know there are MLS execs and boards that are, you know, looking to shore that up, right? Because if the answer turns out to be it's not the MLS, it's the internet, then the MLS has to come up with some value proposition, you know, around like technology or data or user service, something, right? <clears throat> and I think people are working on that and that might be a, a useful conversation for yeah. next, right? And since we, we may have a very special guest next week. Yeah. Uh, let's not, let's not reveal. Yeah. You revealed last week, dude. Oh, did we? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Spencer. <laughs> right. uh, I think it's a question to put to Spencer, right? Is it the internet? Is it the MLS? If it ends I, up I being the internet, the <laughs> well, if it's the internet, then what can the MLS do, right? to maintain value and relevance yeah. in that sort of new era. So, hey, we teased our next show, man. Look no, no, I think I th I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, that'll Great be time. fun. All right, brother. I know we got a right. hard stop. So thanks to everybody for listening us uh, speculate and banter. 
Yeah, thanks a lot. With one another. Really appreciate you. Appreciate our sponsors. And uh, yeah, appreciate you. Fabulous Greg Robertson. You too, Notorious RLB. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. <laughs>